0: welcome to the celebration church podcast we believe god wants to speak into your life through this message if you're interested in knowing more about celebration church you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on instagram and facebook at celebrationedm. edm thanks for joining us we hope you enjoy this message
1: well we're uh just so privileged to have compassion canada with us uh at church here today and uh brian cool is here brian what is what is your role with compassion I am the
0: regional rep. My title is Regional Relationship Manager, which is fantastic because I love people. But I'm the regional rep uh, for Alberta and uh, love to be here in Edmonton this
1: weekend. Awesome. And, you know, we've partnered with Compassion for some time. Um, and just today we have, uh, you know, a display out in the lobby. You're going to be able to see all kinds of cards of, of children needing sponsorship that you can uh, pick a child and, and be a part of, of the sponsorship. But maybe you could explain for us, you know, how that works. What, what happens when we become a child sponsor? How does it all flow?
0: For sure. So uh, first off, Compassion exists to release children from poverty In Jesus' name. And it's out of a call and response to the great commandment and the great commission that we are Christ-centered, child-focused, and church-based. What that means is we love Jesus, we love children, and we really love the local church. And so what we're about as an organization is is holistic, child development, Uh, we fund that through child sponsorship. So we're we're really not a child sponsorship organization. We're a child development organization, and we want to care for the needs of the whole person and the whole being of a child. And so what would happen is when a church in an underfunded country partners with us, uh, we'll open a child development center in that church, and it's all run staffed by people in the church and volunteers. And they'll invite 250 children from the community unchurched kids to the church. And so from about the age of one to the age of 18, those children will spend on average six hours a week at the local church where they're discipled. They'll receive uh, formal and non-formal educational opportunities they'll have a tutor if the child needs medical care or dental care they'll have the opportunity to receive that a lot of families just simply can't afford medical care i take it for granted i can take my kids to the hospital or to the doctor but in many countries that can't happen unless you have the money and so those children uh will receive that care and uh importantly uh they'll also learn that uh Jesus died on the cross for their sins. And they'll be able to have the opportunity to respond back to him. And each year, about 189,000 children give their lives to Christ in our programs. And for every one of those children throughout the lifetime that they're in our program, they will bring three to four of their family members to Christ. So there's a real multiplier effect to child sponsorship. And so sponsorship, it costs $41 a month. I can't feed my family, for like, go out to eat for $41 a month, but to sponsor a child, $41 a month. We also have an urgent needs fund, and you can, you can maybe add $10 a month to your plan, make it $51 a month, supercharge your sponsorship, and that will pay for things like, like rent support. A lot of families in the pandemic are not working. They're day laborers. And so you have to decide, do we buy food or do we pay rent or medical expenses? And so what Compassion can do is provide rent support for families. Well,
1: can you give us an idea on the expanse of the ministry, the number of countries and churches and people being ministered to? Yeah,
0: for sure. That's a great question. So we are involved uh, currently in 25 countries around the world. We're looking to expand into a couple more. Uh, The pandemic has kind of Put a hold on that. But 25 countries around the world, we work with 8,000 churches. And in our programs, we have currently 2.3 million children sponsored. Wow. And we are, our hope right now is is we want to see more children sponsored more quickly.
1: Wow, that's amazing. It's expansive. How has COVID impacted um, the program and, and how you're actually carrying it out? Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: So uh, right now, the local church, because uh, a lot of the churches are closed and the child development centers are closed, uh, children can't go to the church. And so the volunteers and people of the church are going out to the children with one-on-one visits, and they're bringing with them uh, essentials like food hampers. And we've delivered over the past 20 months uh, 16 million food packs, and that, that lasts a family about one to two weeks uh, we've delivered uh, over 10 million hygiene kits. You might take it for granted, but, you know, washing hands is so important. And if you don't have access to clean water, the water you do have, you're not going to use it to wash your hands. So we get hand sanitizer for them. Uh, over a million people have received some kind of medical care that they otherwise would not have uh, just simply because of the situation that they're in. Well,
1: yeah. and how has the pandemic affected poverty on a global scale in mm-hmm. terms of child poverty? It, it's been significant. Uh, before the pandemic,
0: um, the World Bank estimated one out of every six children on the planet lived in extreme poverty. Now, extreme poverty is defined as living on less than a dollar ninety a day. Uh, significant poverty is three dollars twenty cents a day. For comparison, in Canada, our government defines the poverty level at forty dollars a day. So imagine trying to live on a buck ninety. You know, things in some countries still cost the same as they do here. And so uh, it's, it's um, problematic. Um, the pandemic has caused an additional 97 million people to be pushed into extreme poverty that is less than $1.90 a day. I can't wrap my head around that number. It, it makes no sense to me. It's so difficult. But what I do know is when you sponsor one child, it affects that child's life profoundly and the life of their family.
1: Yeah. I think you were saying something earlier about seeing a possible end prior to the pandemic. Of Yeah, that's a great
0: point. Uh, so since 1990-91, uh, extreme poverty has been reduced year over year. We've seen gains in that way. And the, the thought was that by 2030 worldwide, we would actually be able to eliminate extreme poverty. You Think about that. We could eliminate extreme poverty except the pandemic happened. And so now that's set it back at least 10 years, Um, at least 10 years, but we're we're making gains.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks again for being here. And and again, I want to mention the table is out there. Have a look at it, check it out. For those who are watching online, there's a link for you to be able to go to uh, Compassion Canada's website and uh, to be able to sponsor a child and get involved that way. Um, I know there's quite a number of us that have, have, over the years, uh, gotten active in child sponsorship, so I want you guys to hear what's happening in, in light of COVID and, and uh, the impact that's happening, and um, for those that this is news to you, well, we invite you to come on board, get involved, you know, you, you give up a latte a week and you can be involved in changing somebody's life, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, their life needs it more than Starbucks anyway, so, you <laughs> know, so it's a good thing. But thank you again for, for being here. Dennis, thank you so much for having me, and thanks for being a church that cares about the world's
0: poor.
1: Awesome. Well, we're gonna turn our attention to the side screens. We have uh, one more clip to show you about uh, the ministry of compassion during the pandemic.
0: Hola, mi nombre es Sileni, tengo seis años. Soy de Bo- vivo en Bolivia.
2: I want to greet you and tell you everything that you do for the beneficiaries and for the children in Bolivia is very meaningful. We are
1: supporting, at this moment, close to 95,000 beneficiaries in Bolivia.
2: At the beginning of the pandemic, it's like suddenly the world stopped. Nothing is the same, and when everything stops, then you can realize what really matters. Compassion had some resources, but they mobilized the local church members and they started mobilizing people to help the families. The local church was able to see the need that the families were facing.
1: As Compassion Bolivia, we are exploring different ways.
2: We gave the churches a lot of freedom to implement the program in the way they see fits best. Through phone calls, tutors are visiting families. It is amazing. I think we are reaching beneficiaries in a way that we have always dreamed. The local church, they are able to track each beneficiary's life and each beneficiary's families. And I appreciate that we have an army of people in the communities that are actually doing the work and that we can trust that these people is more passionate than anyone else. I have seen families coming to the Lord during this pandemic. I have seen families meeting Jesus during this pandemic. There is this girl who received a gift from her sponsor and she used this gift to buy fruit and to go to the local market and she put this place where she sells fruit. And with this help, she was able to support her family during all these times that they lost their job. Compassion could not work without the sponsors. That's for sure. The Bible says that the Lord gives the seed to those who plant So I think the sponsors give us the seed and the local church plants the seed and the Lord multiplies it. And then we have a harvest that is so plentiful.
0: I hope to harvest the fruit because the leaders in the church is more empowered. The church learns that they can impact and influence the community.
2: Thank you for partnering with Compassion, and thank you for believing in the work
1: that the local church can do. My prayer is that God return you 100% of your support.
0: Muchas gracias por ser mi patrocinadora. Estoy muy feliz, estoy hablando por ti. Sea fuerte.
1: You know, hope is all over the Christmas story. As you read through the Christmas story, there's just a theme of hope uh, that comes out in it. You know, Mary's told she's highly favored. Uh, she's been chosen to uh, carry the baby Jesus, and she lives with this hope of this child being born and uh, having, having the Savior in her household. Joseph is about to get married to Mary. He's engaged and discovers she's pregnant, but then an angel appears and lets him know that the hope of the world is about to show up, that this is this is the Messiah that's prophesied about throughout hundreds of years prior, and that that's uh, what is happening, and he will save his people from their sin. So he's got a hope built in him. I, I think of Mary and Joseph taking the baby Jesus to the temple and, and what happened there in Luke 2 uh, 25, where it says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and this man was righteous and devout and it says this about him, looking forward to the constellation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So he's looking forward to this Messiah coming and of course when he greets Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, he's like, finally, I've gotten to see this. What I was hoping for happened. Well, then there's Anna, who in Luke 2.36, it says that there was this prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She did not leave the temple grounds, serving night and day with fasts and prayers, and at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continuing to speak about him To all who were, and here's the description, looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. In other words, there was a sense of expectation about a Messiah was going to to be coming. Then there's the shepherds who are given a message that they get to share with Mary and Joseph. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, "'Do not be afraid, for behold, "'I bring to you good news of great joy, "'which will be for all the people. "'For today in the city of David "'there's been born for you a Savior "'who is Christ the Lord. "'And this will be a sign for you. "'You will find a baby wrapped in clothes "'and lying in a manger.'" And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly armies and angels praising God, saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among people with whom He is pleased." Well, the shepherds, they, they leave with the expectation and the hope of, of seeing this child, Of course they do. They end up sharing all the information that came to them by this encounter with the angels. The Scripture says, "Mary treasured these things in her hearts, uh, in her heart, rather, and had this hope. Uh, for her future. The coming of Jesus brought great hope. But hope is actually the nature of God. It's the nature of God. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad he's the God of hope? Come on. Aren't you glad he's the God of hope? You're not the God of despair, not, not the God of, well, we'll see, you know, or the God of maybe, he's the God of hope. That's who he is in your life. You invite Jesus into your life, you have the God of hope inside of you. You might be going through some difficult uh, situations, but there's a hope inside of you that still rises up. Why? Because you're in a relationship with the God of hope. Come on, that's his nature. That's what God brings to you and I. And when things are challenging and things may look hopeless, he's still the God of hope. He he doesn't change his position just because you're going through a situation. And the worst thing you can do is try to figure out who God is by the circumstances that you're going through. He is always above the circumstance. He's with you to pull you through the circumstance. He is the God of hope. Come on. He's the one who restores hope. You know, we can go through things in life where we we feel like our hope's been damaged or we've lost hope uh, because of some experience, but he's also the God who can restore your hope. He's the one who gives you hope, fills your life with hope, hope for today, hope for tomorrow, and hope on into eternity when this life is over. Christ followers are called. You and I are called to be ambassadors of hope, an ambassador of hope. Why not just turn to the person beside you and let them know, hey, you're an ambassador of hope. Okay, turn back and say, so are you, so are you. You know, hope isn't just something that happens to be in the story of Christmas. Hope isn't just something that gets put on a, a Christmas ornament hanging on a, on a tree this time of year. It's not just for that. Hope isn't even just something that that we get to have because of Jesus, like like our own little special treasure that we keep to ourselves. No, that's not the way it is. What hope is, is something that God gave you to give to others. It's something God put in your life that you can give to others. You are an ambassador of hope. Well, how does that happen? How, How does that sort of flesh itself out? Well, a number of ways. First one is this. The message that you share The gospel is your message of hope. It is your message of hope. When you share Jesus with people, you share hope. The gospel is absolutely a message of hope for people because the gospel is a message of God's love and God's favor towards the world. That's how God sees you. That's how God looks at the world. And and, you know, there's plenty of people that don't think God sees them with love and favor. There's plenty of people who who don't know Jesus in their life and, and they'll look through their circumstances, hard times that they go through, and then what they'll do is they'll develop their theology, their beliefs about God, out of the experience of their circumstance. Whereas if they'd let Jesus into their life, they'd experience God walking with them through that circumstance and making a difference and realize he's not limited or grounded to the things we're going through. God is above your situation. Listen, God is for you. He came for you. You know, you have his attention. Jesus died and rose again for you, for your forgiveness, for you to have a new beginning in him. God demonstrates his love towards you, as the scripture says, on the cross. Jesus dying on a cross was a statement of God's love towards you. You are not forgotten. You're not rejected. You're not disqualified. You're not left alone and on your own. You are loved by God, and you are favored by God. Hey, the gospel is a message of hope. Well, it's also a message of hope because it's a message of redemption, of redemption. You know, redemption is about being bought or brought back. In other words, it's like I should be here, but my life got off course. Things should be together. Things are broken. You know, things should be in order, things are a mess. You know, God has a plan for me, I'm far from God's plan. Redemption is God bringing you, purchasing you, bringing you back to his original intention for your life. You are not hopeless because the gospel is a message of redemption. The message of Jesus is redemption, not rejection. It's the hope of being restored, restored. Being healed, having a new life, getting a fresh start—all of that is found in the gospel. That's why we ran as we did this weekend our freedom conference, and um, <clears throat> thank you for that. Woo, uh, appreciate that. And if you've not yet had the chance, um, you know, in the in the new year, you can get in involved in taking a freedom course, and and really, it's all about applying the gospel to see restoration, healing and freedom come in people's lives. You are not hopeless. Redemption means you can be far from God. Uh, you can be going down the wrong, wrong path. God can get you back on your path. Redemption means he's already paid the price for a better future for you. Redemption means you're not stuck in your past, but the past has been covered in Christ, and, and now your future doesn't have to be dictated by your past. That's such a powerful thing. That's such a freeing thing to realize just because I went through some things and just because I've made some poor choices in my past and just because I've had others do things to me. Those things do not need to control my future. That in Christ, I am redeemed. Uh, This this past stays in the past. I break free. I get to live a brand new life free in Jesus, and those things from my past do not have to control my life. You can disconnect from destructive patterns. You can disconnect from the shame. You know, you can disconnect from the hurt it may have caused. If nothing could be done about your past, then you're without hope. That would be a hopeless situation. You know, if nothing could be done about what might be happening in your life, even right now, then we would say, well, you seem to be in a hopeless situation. But the message of the gospel is one of hope because Jesus isn't limited to your past or your present. He meets you where you're at with the promise of his purposes flourishing in your life for your future. You know, in Ephesians, the scripture gives this description of what it is like to be without Jesus, and here's what it says. You are without God and without hope. Without God and without hope. In other words, if God's not in your life, then yes, you can be without hope. But if God is in your life, you are not without hope. You might be going through a tough time, but you're not without hope. Why? Because you're not without God. If you're without God, you're without hope. But if you're with God, there's always hope. You know, over the years, we've just seen so many people who were in uh, what you might call a hopeless situation, find hope, find redemption, and have a new life in Jesus. I think of the story of this one girl who was literally cutting herself because of the personal pain of being, you know, uh, subject to abuse in her past and, and so to get over that pain, she just created more pain. I mean, what a hopeless situation. And yet she comes to Jesus and, and, and all of that changes. Her, her life gets redeemed and all uh, she not only stops doing that, but is able to get healing from the very thing that was causing it in the first place. I mean, just a brand new start in life, completely redeemed because of the hope of the gospel. I think of the story of a guy that I know who who was drunk on a Saturday night and lost, and decided to show up to church on a Sunday morning, and that morning gave his life to Jesus and never went back to that old lifestyle. You say, why was he drunk on a Saturday night? Because he didn't know any better. He just thought, well, this is just what you do in life to forget your pain and to have fun and to to feel feel like you're enjoying life or whatever. But when he got up on a Sunday morning, he he remembered his Saturday, what he could remember of it, and um, thought, there's something seriously wrong with the way I'm living. I think maybe I should just go to a church and decide, well, there's one down the road. That'll be close enough. I'll go to that one and ended up giving his life to Christ. Hopelessness is a mindset that there's no way out of your situation in life. But the message of the gospel is that you are not hopeless. Your situation isn't hopeless. And if God can raise Jesus from the grave, he can raise you to a new life. You know, the word gospel literally means good news. I just want to say this. When you have the opportunity to share your faith, make sure it's good news. Make sure that's the spirit that you share in, that you share a gospel that's about healing, that's about hope, that's about God's got an amazing future for you. There's purpose that he has that you can have found in a relationship with him. Just make sure that the gospel that you share is always in the spirit of Good news, because that's the gospel of Jesus. Well, there's another way that we become an ambassador of hope, and that is, you become an ambassador of hope, you get to exercise that ambassadorship of hope by meeting the felt needs of others, you bring hope. Meeting the felt needs of others brings hope. You know, in Matthew, Jesus shares a story that's actually meant to amplify a principle that you'll find in the Bible and other, other places. And the principle is simply this that there's no separation between how you treat people and how you treat God. There's no separation. I could say it this way. God takes how you treat people that are made in his image. He takes that personal. He takes that personal. For instance, the scripture says, you can't say that you hate people, but you love Jesus. 1 John 4.20 says, whoever claims to love God and hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So the Bible right there is saying, listen, you can't have one attitude towards people and then claim to have a completely different attitude towards the Lord. Another one of these types of verses is found in Proverbs, in Proverbs 19, 17, where it says this, if you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord and he will repay you. So God says he responds to what you do for the needs of others as though you were doing it directly to him. Now off of that principle, Jesus shares in Matthew chapter 25, and we're gonna read a portion of what he shared, not the whole thing, but a portion of it. Verse 34 says this, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for i was hungry and you gave me something to eat i was thirsty and you gave me something to drink i was a stranger and you invited me in naked and you clothed me i was sick and you visited me i was in prison and you came to me then the righteous will answer him lord when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty give you something to drink. When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. You did it for me. When you think about meeting the needs of people's lives, it really does bring hope when those needs are met. You know, this particular passage is giving us a picture of what it means to be an ambassador of hope. He concludes by saying that as much as you did it for the least of them, you did it for me. In other words, that's the level of value that God places on meeting felt needs in people's lives. Now, consider this, for for people dealing with a, a felt need at, you know, the level that is spoken about here in this passage, that need would be like the only thing on their mind, the only thing on their mind. In other words, they can't see a tomorrow. They're not thinking about a tomorrow. They're not thinking about anything else. Why? Because they're so focused on the pain of their current felt need that it just doesn't release them to to think about or consider anything else. And I mean, I know this is like a small illustration, but maybe it'll help you connect. If you can recall a time when you were really hungry or really thirsty and how it just took over your focus and and took over your thinking. And maybe even you were with some friends and you were planning on doing something together. And then you said something like this. Yeah, let's go, but I gotta eat first. You ever said that? Maybe it's just the friends I hang out with. I've heard them say that before. I gotta eat first. You know, where are we going for lunch? Let's get that done first. I mean, when you're like super hungry, you know, that that's your total focus. You're not ready to do anything else in life. Well, that also happens for people who are in poverty. It's just amplified a whole lot louder. They're not ready for anything until they get fed or get clothed or get medical attention. They're not ready to hear the gospel either because all they know is that their prayer for their current felt need and, and to have that prayer answered. But when that need is met, it gives them hope. It gives them hope. You know, part of what we call the Lord's Prayer is a line that goes like this. Give us this day our daily bread. That prayer is taught all over the world. Anywhere where Jesus is preached, I guarantee you, people are gonna hear the Lord's Prayer. We pray that prayer and then we drop into a grocery store and think nothing of picking up what we might need for that day or that week, even longer. But there are people who may hear the gospel, learn learn some of the Bible, are taught to pray the Lord's Prayer, and, and they're praying that statement, give us this day our daily bread as a prayer of their survival. And what I love about Compassion Canada and... And uh, what happens when we give in child sponsorship is this, is that you and I get to be the answer to their prayer. We, We get to show them Jesus. We get to see their hope lifted and their faith encouraged as they see God answering their prayer that their needs would be met. Hope comes as people see their needs being met. Well, the scripture doesn't just stop at food and clothing and shelter. Those are all important. But then he goes on in the scripture and he lists emotional and psychological needs as well. He says, you were a stranger. I was a stranger and you invited me in. A stranger. In other words, I felt like I didn't belong. I felt like an outsider. I felt like I didn't belong. You, I was sick and, and you visited me. Well, you know what? People, when they're sick, what happens is they isolate. They, they, they get to be alone. Get, don't want to share that sickness with anybody else. They're isolated. I was in prison, and you came to me. Prison is a, a place of rejection from society. Yes, you may have done some things wrong, but that's what the reality that you're living is, the sense of rejection. One of the ways that we get to bring hope to people is when we meet the emotional and the psychological deficit that they face in life. And it may be loneliness, It may be isolation, and it may be rejection. And our presence brings hope as we meet that felt need in their life. We send a message literally just with our presence when we connect with people in these situations. We send a message that says, you know what, you're not forgotten. You know what, Um, your life has meaning. You are valued, you are cared about. We know that God loves hurting people, don't we? I mean, anybody who's in God's house long enough, read some of the Bible, you know, you know, excuse me, that God loves hurting people. And we know that God has a plan and a purpose regardless of a person's current situation. And we know that God cares for people who are in need, be that physical or emotional and psychological. We know all those things. But for the people that have those needs, they only know it when somebody reaches out to them as an ambassador of hope to present a God who cares for them. That's how they they know it. In other words, they're not necessarily going to get it because they're going to read something or hear. They're going to get it because a person shows up as an ambassador of hope. There's much being said, especially at this time about mental health. And it's really about people keeping their thinking out of a place of of the ditch of discouragement and despair and depression and, and all these things. Um, but when you consider all those titles, they really all fall under one title, and that is hopelessness. When somebody's discouraged, they've lost hope. When somebody's depressed, they feel like they're in the bottom of a pit with no way out. They feel like they lost hope. When somebody is in despair, they don't know what to do next. They've lost hope. An ambassador of hope, though, can bring a sense of expectation into a person's life who has no hope. Your presence, your voice, your faith in God can raise the hope of a person who's in a place of hopelessness. You know, a few years ago, um, a friend of mine passed away. While he was in the hospital, uh, you know, I made a point of obviously reaching out and visiting and all that. And, and his wife said to me, said, oh, make sure you, 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 know, you keep coming back because my, my husband says, every time you come around, you lift the atmosphere in the room. You, lift, you lift, lift the atmosphere in the room. In other words, I was being an ambassador of hope to a situation. You say, well, he, he still died. That's true. But not until he first gave his life to Jesus. You're an ambassador of hope. Walk it out. You're commissioned by God. Walk it out. When you reach out and meet somebody's felt need, you bring the expectation of a better future. For that man, his better future is an eternity in heaven. You bring more than food, clothing, and emotional comfort. You bring hope. Well, one last thought about being an ambassador of hope, and that is this. Your words of encouragement raise hope. Your words of encouragement raise hope. One other way to be an ambassador of hope is just be a voice of encouragement into people's lives. Now, I'm not talking about people who are, you know, just just the people who are discouraged and down, but I'm talking about just in your, like, regular, if you will, relationships in life. Be a voice of encouragement. Be a voice of encouragement into people. You know, people struggle at times with what we call being self-aware. Now, I'm not I'm not t- typically when we hear that oh that person's not very self-aware. Typically when you hear that you're thinking of somebody who is socially awkward. Don't don't say their name. Don't say their name. Don't point either. But you know, that's usually how we use that phrase. Well, they're, you know, they're, they don't have very good self-awareness whatever. They're socially awkward whatever. But what I'm talking about when I talk about not being self-aware, and that is this. I found that a lot of people are not very aware of their gifts. They're not very aware of their potential. They're not aware of the influence. They're not aware of the impact and the difference that they're making in the lives of others. People are not self-aware of the contribution that their life makes and the difference that their life makes, and your words of encouragement help them to be self-aware and to understand, hey, what you do that you think just comes natural to you, that's a gift on your life, and it's making a difference in the lives of others. You know, these people that you need to speak encouragement to can be the very members of your family. Especially for parents, your children, as they're growing up, speak into their world. Let them know, hey, you seem to be really good at this. You have a grace on this. Uh, you know, let, let, let's encourage those gifts and those strengths and those abilities that are on their life as they're building towards their future. Your voice can be the voice that affirms, confirms, gives them expectation that there's more to come in that area of their life. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, so encourage each other, build each other up just as you're already doing. You know, what your voice does is this. You call out the gifts and the abilities that are in other people. You recognize their strengths and you affirm uh, what is in them, in, in others rather. And you affirm their future. Listen, be an ambassador of hope and speak encouragement into people's lives around you. Let's stand as we take time to pray. Thank you, Father. Lord, thank you for everyone who's in this room, everyone who's watching online. Father, I just commission everybody to be an ambassador of hope. Not just in this Christmas season, but throughout our lives. That God, our lives are filled with hope because of Jesus. Lord, may we bring hope to others. May we minister it through our voice. May we minister it through the gospel. May we minister it through encouragement. And may we minister it through our giving as well to meet felt needs in people's lives and through our generosity. I I wanna pray one more prayer with you. and, and, And that is, we talked about just the fact that the gospel's good news you're never too far for God to reach you. You know, you're never, you're never in a place where He can't redeem you. It's not like, okay, my life has gone so far off course. You know, maybe God can bring it back a little bit. No, no, He does a full restoration, 100% work in your world. And, and you might think it's hopeless, but I'm telling you right now that with God, all things are possible. And so, you know what, if you know in your life that you're far from God right now, whether you're watching online or anyone who's in this room, or well, you're like, you know what, because I don't assume, just because you come to church it doesn't make you a Christian. You know, you, you walk into a garage, you don't turn into a car. You can be walking into church every Sunday and you know where your heart is at and, and it's not there. But now is your moment to surrender to Jesus because it's a surrendered life that Christ can save, forgive and lead into the purposes of God that he has for your future. And so with our heads bowed, we're all gonna pray this together. If that's you in this room, just know that we're praying with you and this prayer is for you. If that's you online, you can join in as well. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you went to the cross and you died for the sins of the world, including my sins. I ask you to forgive my past. I invite you into my life. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior, and I'll follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationemittent.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.